0: Welcome to Mentioned in Dispatches the podcast from the Western Front Association with me Dr Tom Thorpe The WFA is the UK's largest great war history society we are dedicated to furthering understanding of the First World War and have over 60 branches worldwide For more information visit our website at westernfrontassociation.com It is the 2nd of July 2018 and this is episode number 70 on today's programme, I talk to historian Peter Hart about his new book, The Last Battle, Endgame on the Western Front, 1918, published by Profile Books. I spoke to Peter from his home in London. Hi Peter, welcome to the Dispatches podcast. Could you start by telling us about yourself and how you became interested in the Great War? Uh,
1: well, um, <laughs> I, I, I'm the Imperial War Museum's oral historian. Uh, so I've been interested in the Great War for a long time. Uh, basically, uh, right back when I was a kid, uh, when I was watching the Great War series, you know, the the, 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 the one that Pete Simpkins and people like that worked on, John Terrain, great, great historians like that. And uh, all I got out of it was an intense feeling of, of gloom and tragedy. And it seemed so interesting and so long ago. Or actually, it was only 50 years before at the time. Uh, and that attracted my interest. And then I moved on from that a few years later to t- taking Pernell's history of the First World War. And, and that, believe it or not, that's a, that's a really good part work. And, that, and I was hooked after that. And gradually I, d- I did the normal transition from, uh, oh, the pity of it all, so sad, everybody being killed, to still feeling how awful it was, but a, a, an attempt to understand what was going on, what, why these things were happening uh, and, and, and that makes it much more interesting when you when you actually realise what people are doing and why it's
0: happening to them So essentially moving from stereotype to say a more, more nuanced and more complex position, which brings us to your latest book, The Last Battle Now what's that all about? Well, uh, I, I've written lots of books on the Great War
1: and I, I, I wrote one on uh, 1918 and I noticed that the last six weeks of the war tended to be wrapped up very quickly, you know, and Yet it's some of the greatest battles of the war, some of the most important and, and, and really, a, you know, battles that really make a difference. You know, w- will the war end in 1918 or will it drag on into 1919 with the deaths of hundreds of thousands of more people? So to me, that last six weeks is very important. And when I noticed that my own book hadn't covered it properly, then I, I thought, well, I better do something about this. Um, And that's why I wrote it. To me, it's such a great story. But underpinning everything is this idea. And I like to put myself in the position of people, even though I'm a sort of wishy-washy modern person. Imagine being in a trench. Imagine, you know the war's going to end in a few days. You don't know when, but you know it's going to be soon. And there you are. You've got to go over the top. You know, half half your friends have already been killed. You've managed to survive. And now you have to go over the top again. And it's this idea of, You know, not everyone can shell hole drop. Not everyone can hang back. You have to go forward together. Comradeship almost insists on it. And somehow these men, most of them, let's be nuanced, most of them, most of them managed to do it. And I I find that an amazing story. You know the war's coming to an end. And, you know, so many of them were killed in in that last few days. You know, they'd almost made, they were within touching distance of safety. Uh, and then they're killed or badly wounded; their lives wrecked.
0: So I find that a dramatic story, and I'm pleased the book's done well or reasonably well. So, what does your book focus on? Is it focus on the experience, or does it focus on the on the on the broader grand strategy?
1: Uh, well, it it focuses. Uh, I, I I normally write my books in the same way, which is I try and make them academically correct with or you know up to standard with a, a reasonable outline of what's going on and why and then into that i i i filter uh, personal experience stories which illustrate what's going on illustrate the themes i'm trying to 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 to, to put forward uh, i think i think it works uh, some people don't like it some people think uh, it, it's historian as copy copy typist uh, i don't agree with that approach and in fact i find it more copy typing to 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 sort of just Change everything into your own language, and then do- it makes it duller. I'd rather hear what happened in people's own words. And that's very important to me. Not necessarily oral
0: history, because I don't use that much of that. It- it's personal experience wherever you get it from. I know it certainly meant a lot to me in sense that my uncle was wounded. I oh, sorry, my grandfather was wounded um, during action at Bullecourt with the Fifty Sixth Division in August. So you know that sort of c- coming to the end of the battle, coming to the end of the war, and he's wounded. You know that sort of feeling of he's almost, almost there, a bit like Owen, uh, Wilfred Owen, who's killed only six days before the armistice is called. And it also it often seems so much more tragic in those situations. My grandfather actually lost one of his best mates, a guy called um, Lowe, who was killed on the yeah. same day he was wounded. So, you know, you, see, you feel that sort of loss, sense of loss and tragedy even more because you know it's going to end. But obviously they didn't at the time, and I think that's really important to get that across. That so it could have dragged on to 1919 even further.
1: Yeah. I mean, by the 4th of November, which is when Owen was killed, they knew it was coming. You know, they, they, they knew it was coming to an end because the Germans had made peace overtures. us. But it, it's when, you know, exactly. And they, they still have to go over the top. And that battle on the 4th of, of November, I mean, it's tragic that Wilfred Owen was killed. It really is. He was a great poet. and I'm not an aficionado of poetry, but I recognize his brilliance. And, and, and it is a tragedy. That's not the most important thing that happened that day. That There were lots of other people killed, wounded, maimed, uh, mentally destroyed by that day. Uh, it, it it was a huge battle. It's almost on the scale of the Somme. In fact, it's probably numerically bigger. And it is smashing the last real hope of the German army on, on the Western Front. It, it's their last feasible lines that they could hold. And it's a huge, important battle, you know, and, and yet, as we've done. You, you end up talking about Wilfred Owen. And, and that's something I wanted to sidestep slightly with the book. Recognise Wilfred Owen's brilliance, but look beyond him at the bigger battle. Look at what was happening. Look at the dramas and the terrible things that happened that day and why it was fought, what, what was achieved that day.
0: So it brings me on to my next question is, why are the battles of, of 1918, especially towards the end, the 100 days, etc., neglected um, relative to other big engagements that we, that we fixate on, like the Somme, Verdun and Third Thurdeep?
1: I don't know, but I suspect it's because tragedy. Uh, I mean, the, those other battles are tragedies. They're
0: enormous,
1: gigantic human tragedies. And they, they just impacted on so many households. And, and, and repetition dulls. And, and but, You know, by 1918, it's another tragedy. I think that's part of it. Winning isn't as exciting as, as, as tragedy. You know, I mean, the fact that we won the war in those, uh, the last six, well, 12, 12, uh, twelve to six weeks, we, we win, winning the war. That somehow isn't as dramatic. Uh, it doesn't, it doesn't grab people's attention. And the, the, the Verdun, for instance, is a great story. Uh, the Somme is a great story. Uh, Third eeps is, is an uh, an amazing story of human suffering. And 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 there are reasons why the generals do what they do, but the, uh, people tend to ignore that and just fixate on the on the on the losses and the tragedy and i think that's why people and and recently uh, with the uh, the centenaries it's just uh, it's just fatigue uh, they made such a fuss of 1914 and the rather trivial engagement on the, at Mons for instance show and we, what we lost 600 odd dead which is terrible but the french lost the day before 27,000 dead uh, at the battle of the frontiers that that puts it more in context and we've sort of gone we sort of went over the top on 1914 in the in the centenary and and left not much energy for the rest and i don't think there'll be much at all about the last six weeks of the war uh, you know uh, in fact there's been more fuss made about the german offensives in, in the spring of 1918 which were tactically brilliant but strategically dumb you know they had no real direction uh, and 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 in one sense doomed the german army to defeat that year
0: so, when we reflect on the on the sort of last six weeks of the war, what did the British achieve in the closing stages of the, of the Great War on the Western Front?
1: Well, firstly, the British achieved as part of the alliance, and I know you,
0: you agree with me there or most people would agree
1: i mean they are, they are fighting alongside the French who have borne the brunt of of the war on the western front they're fighting alongside the americans who are there in enormous numbers they're inexperienced but they're playing a vital role and their very presence destroys german morale Uh, and they're fighting alongside the belgians who uh, who we forget uh, and other nations who i am going to forget so the the portuguese you know people like that um so firstly it's part of the alliance but the british had a special role they still had some spare capacity. The French were almost exhausted. They'd recovered a bit from 17, but they couldn't be pressed too hard. The British had spare capacity, and they had the know-how. Our generals, uh, uh, our staff system, uh, you know, overseen by Hague, produced the all arms battle, which was a, a flexible way of fighting, which used mechanization, which used, uh, you know, it, 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 all weapons fitted into a pattern. And if one wasn't there, the others would pick up the slack. Uh, and it worked. It was a, a brilliant system of fighting. It was very, very modern. And this is the British achievement. And they were used in in, 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 in the series of assaults which commenced uh, in, in late September, directed by Foch, the commander, the overall supreme commander on the Western Front. And it, it was a great achievement. The British were the cutting edge of the Allies. And, and I, I think they did brilliantly. Uh, they still made mistakes. Nothing's perfect. They still, you know, there were some units who had no idea what they were doing still, but most of the British army by that time was a a highly skilled fighting, organized killing machine.
0: And you mentioned the Americans and how did they fare in the last, last few months of the war in terms of how operationally effective were they?
1: Well, operationally effective, they, they, their sheer numbers made them effective. Uh, The American I think people who criticise the Americans in 1918, uh, they should direct as much uh, of that criticism at the British in 1916 on the Somme. In other words, they're, 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 they're an army that's expanded from, what, 25,000, 30,000 to, to a couple of million more uh, in just a year. Uh, they're, lacking in, they're lacking in senior officers, staff officers. They're lacking in uh, junior commanders. They're lacking in, in, in experienced NCOs. Their troops are all new with no battle inoculation or experience, and there's enormous problems for the Americans to face. Yet they go forward bravely. They're tactically inept at times, uh, but then so are we at times uh, in, at, at the relative stage of our experience. They're brave, very brave, extraordinarily brave. The battles of the are argonne are dreadful battles. The Argonne Forest is murderous. You know, it's just a tangle of, of ravines and, and, and ridges, and it's, it's still forested. There's machine gun traps barbed wire, funneling people towards machine gun traps, pillboxes. It's dreadful. And the Americans attacked it. Did they do brilliantly? No. Did they do well enough? Yes. Constantly chivied by Foch, moaned at by Haig and Pétain, the French commander in chief, but they did well enough. And they, above all, what the Americans brought was they ended all hope for the German army. The, the people in the German army knew the Americans were here. They knew that there'd be a million and a half in the summer of 18. They knew there'd be two and a half million a, a bit later. They knew that it would keep growing, that there was no hope. And that in itself was a vital contribution to the Allied cause.
0: And that brings us to the next question: about was the German army defeated in the field on the Western Front, as some historians argue, or did, or did it collapse because of Spanish flu, the blockade, political revolution, revolution sorry, or the infamous stab in the back theory that the Nazis um, promulgated in the nineteen twenties and thirties?
1: <coughs> so I just claim my throat. Uh, claim my throat because I'm about to launch into a barrage. <laughs> very, very definitely, uh, they were beaten beaten hands down, beaten on the Western Front by the combination of the Allied armies. Uh, there is no question or doubt about this. Uh, they sued for peace. Uh, Ludendorff was desperate for peace in, in, early in October. He realized that it was up. Uh, later on, he, the rest of the, the war, the, the German high command is basically trying to find some civilians to blame. And they did it very effectively in the end because, uh, you know, uh, the, 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 the people that came forward were, were, were subsequently blamed for, for, for the overall defeat, which was nonsense. The Germans were defeated. Could they have fought on? Unlikely. There were terrible logistical problems for the British. It would have been difficult to actually finish them off in 1918 if the Germans had fought on. But they had no hope of, of winning. They, they were being pushed back. Uh, they could have perhaps formed a line on the Antwerp Mers or on the Rhine, but these are desperate measures, and it would, they were in themselves unlikely to change the result of the war, and were, were thus ruled out by the German High Command. The, now, the blockade played a part. Of course it did, and, and I used to be a naval historian uh, more than I am today, and the blockade is a crucial damaging factor to the German economy, but it should be remembered that they've just taken a huge load of economic resources from, from Russia. Uh, that the, you know that that things move on in a war, and and the Germans had some hope of an improved economic situation if the war dragged on into nineteen nineteen. So the blockade's a factor. Uh, political unrest at home is always a factor, but there was political unrest to worry about in France and Britain as well. The Russian Revolution had happened. People were worried about whether it happened in their own country. People like Haig wanted the war done and dusted and over before anything else happened. The, the, the Allies were also exhausted, but the Germans were beaten and as to the stab in the back and nazi theories i i don't i mean that's just that's just typical of that type of person uh, it's just nonsense it's just excuses it's just uh, propaganda so finally
0: where can people get your book from peter
1: well um any most bookshops seem to have it uh, and uh, and there are internet providers the usual on amazon uh, if you don't if you want to pay uh, buy it from cheaply from people who don't pay taxes or Hive, uh, or who, who I don't understand terribly, but it's an internet system which gives money to local bookshops. Uh, that, that's the way I'd go. It's a couple of pound more. Uh, and I hope people do buy it. And, but if they do, I'm very, very grateful.
0: Peter, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Tom. Cheers. You have been listening to the Mentioned in Dispatches podcast from the Western Front Association with me, Tom Thorpe. Thank you for all my guests for appearing on this edition.